Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 481. Stay committed and stay focused. If you're not moving, you're standing still. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Steve Trafton. Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes. All right. Great to have you here. Steve Trafton owns and operates Black Horse Racing in Seattle, Washington. After a successful career in the banking industry, he embarked upon a series of long-distance adventures that included walking, kayaking, and boating. And at the age of 64 in 2010, Steve set the world land speed record for the AA Blown Fuel Modified Sport Class. He went 274.401 miles an hour. Oh my gosh, that's a record that still stands today. Today, Steve and his wife, Catherine, are preparing for a 9,000-mile Peking to Paris car rally. He's an intense advocate of his motto, if you're not moving, you're standing still. Steve, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your life and career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. I started uh, my business career uh, back in the late 60s um, in banking mm-hmm. after having gone to gone, gone to college and gotten a degree in biochemistry and physiology. Mm. So that divergence um, generally portrays the type of path that I've been on most of my life, <laughs> as you'll see when we start talking about the cars. Yeah. Um, I built on my banking career um, over the years and eventually became um, uh, involved with um, in fixing troubled financial institutions, and in other words, being a turnaround artist ah. uh, for bad banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have always found that um, uh, while that was interesting and certainly very challenging at times, that I had this deep, dark passion for speed and for excitement, if you will, the adren- the adrenaline rush. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit before I get into a few of my questions here, a little bit about some of these uh, 
activities you've taken part of because as I mentioned in my introduction, you embarked after retiring on some pretty amazing journeys that weren't really car related. They've evolved into cars, but could you share with our listeners just some of these uh, adrenaline junkie activities you, you partook in? Sure. Well, even before I retired, um, I spent a great deal of my life uh, as a serious mountain climber. Okay. And um, uh, put together, actually, and led 22 expeditions to the high Arctic. Um, wow. Going to mountain ranges all across the high Arctic and uh, achieving the first ascent of over 100 peaks uh, oh, north wow. of the Arctic Circle. Oh, my gosh. Um, so my interest in mountain climbing and outdoor activity and, again, I guess what you would call some adrenaline-filled moments was sort of a natural lead-in to, on my retirement, of focusing more and more on that type of activity that required a real focus and commitment. And while there may have been a little danger involved from time to time, uh, there was this great reward of kind of the rush um, as you step back from having been on the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I wanted to set a little bit of a tone in what perhaps led up to combining your passion for cars into what you're doing today. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Steve, take the wheel. Certainly. The uh, quotation that always always comes to mind for me is, if you're not moving, you're standing still. <laughs> yep. That is a mantra that I've had my entire life, and um, uh, it actually came in handy several times um, in the Arctic in very, very cold conditions and uh, very serious conditions. Yeah. I oft repeated that to myself and really brought forth the focus and commitment on the goal. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, you got to keep moving when you're about to freeze. Otherwise, I would imagine up there you just stick to the ground and that's the end of it. So, wow. Well, it's a great mantra to have, and especially as it relates and ties into automobiles, because, of course, we all know automobiles are best when they're moving. At least I think so. So we'll learn a little bit more about this as we move on. But let's go back in time first a little bit, and I'm going to ask you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life looking back when you really realized that you were a car guy? Two moments. First, uh, when I was just graduating high school, and I found out it was a lot easier to pick up girls in a car than on foot. <laughs> yes. And that was, that was a pivotal moment for me. <laughs> then again, later in life, having seen... The uh, recent motion picture, The World's Fastest Indian. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was a, a story, as um, many of your uh, listeners probably know, of kind of an old-timer, kind of a retired guy from uh, New Zealand who decided to go to Bonneville to set a world land speed record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Up until that point, I had been collecting a few collector cars, but hadn't really considered any racing uh, opportunities uh, for my future. Mm -hmm. uh, but after having seen that movie, I thought to myself, um, I can do that. <laughs> and uh, so we set about setting up Black Horse Racing, 
building a car to compete at Bonneville, and then in 2010, setting the world land speed record for the AA blown fuel modified sport class at 275.401 miles an hour. 75, okay, I gave up uh, one mile per hour. Well, it's absolutely incredible, and I love the whole message behind this uh, mantra or this inspirational quote of yours that if you're not moving, you're standing still. It's a really important thing for people in every moment of their life, whether they're young, middle-aged, or older, or really old. you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. That's absolutely imperative. So, Steve, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way. Could be in your life, could be in your career, but the most important part of this is how did you overcome that particular situation? And even more important, what did it teach you? I think that probably the greatest challenge of my career was in the early 1990s uh, when I took over as the CEO, chairman, uh, of the board of a very large financial institution that at the time was a troubled financial institution, and I was brought in to turn it around. Mm-hmm. At that time, most of the critics uh, said that it was an impossible task uh, and that it, it couldn't be done. Mm. That really got my juices flowing. <laughs> there you go. And I again, I hearken back to if you're not moving, you're standing still. And in, in the sense of commitment and focus on a goal. And in 1993, uh, my team and I, in fact, did recapitalize and turn around uh, one of the largest troubled financial institutions in the in the history of the United States. Wow. And that was really a great moment, and it was a very rewarding moment, but I think it also taught me the importance of uh, teamwork and achieving a goal. That and a mountaineering career really rely heavily on a a team effort Mm -hmm. to achieve the goal, and there's a lot of satisfaction and a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, humbling experience in being the leader of such a team. Absolutely. Well, you know, you dropped a a great golden nugget for those listeners out there. Teamwork, surrounding yourself with uh, the right people, so, so important. So from that whole experience, which I can only imagine was a massive, massive undertaking, is that the one best takeaway from that experience for you is, is the team that you surrounded yourself with so that you could achieve that goal? That has been proven to me over and over again, whether it's in a mountaineering effort a long-distance challenge of any kind, such as the Peking to Paris rally that we'll discuss here in a few minutes, or whether it's in the banking career. Um, I have just consistently found that that is, um, really represents the, the high point of, um, of one's career. Absolutely. I always like to tell our listeners we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. And uh, in this story, oh, so important. Thanks for sharing that awesome story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment or a a life-changing aha moment. It's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new direction or a new idea that you have. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, I think it's 
very clear to me that my aha moment was the first time that I was fired from a job mm. and realized that it was really a door opening to bigger opportunities and not the end of my career. Ah, oh, brilliant. That the, the notion of uh, not giving up mm -hmm. and committing oneself to the goal, uh, regardless of the obstacles, and that um, people will trip and stumble, and there will be setbacks, yeah. but they can be overcome. And the secret is in learning how to deal with those setbacks and turn them to positives. What would be a great example you could share with us of turning a negative like that into a positive? So many people lose their jobs, things happen. It could be for things they do, could be for other reasons. But is there something you can share with those listeners out there that might help those folks going through that situation? Maybe just one little tip or trick that worked for you to help them move forward? Well, actually, there are two things. I think, one, it will become apparent in a year or so that this was a door opening. Mm and not closing on a career. Mm -hmm. And that will happen if you take this period of time as an opportunity to sit down, redefine, and refocus on your ultimate goals in life. And you will succeed, particularly if you have that commitment and focus to what that goal is. Ah, awesome. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there nodding their head right now going, thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, great word of wisdom there, Steve. Now, let's talk a little bit about proudest career moments. I would assume you've had many. You've uh, embarked upon so many things in your career and then, of course, what you're doing now with uh, the automobiles. But is there one in particular you'd like to share with us? I think the one that, even though it isn't my business career, it's not a business career moment, but that thrill of setting the world land speed record mm. at Bonneville it was probably a one of the most inspiring moments for me because it really recognized it was a very recognizable career success or an attainment of a goal mm -hmm. and sometimes that's sort of hard to define as to uh, what is the beginning what is the middle and what is the end Right. And clearly, if your goal is to set a world land speed record and you go through the process and you eventually achieve it, you have attained a goal. And that's a very tangible sort of a thing in your own in your own mind. Oh, yeah. Well, you uh, relay that back to that great movie, The World's Fastest Indian, about Burt Monroe setting that uh, record on the motorcycle uh, there at Bonneville. So um, I think that's a great uh, metaphor for what you're talking about is to go out and set a goal, no matter how small or how big, but once you achieve it, you go, wow, I can do that. What's next? And I think it's also important to remember that, um, that it's ageless, mm. I believe. It doesn't matter whether you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s <laughs> yes, uh, or 70s. Yeah, um, I'm soon to be in my 70s and um, I see no end to of, of things to do there you and go. Uh, goals to reach. And there's no particular need to um, retire from life just because one reaches retirement age. Amen to that. You know, last month I had 
Brian Redman on the show, and he's uh, still racing cars. And he had the day that we recorded his show, he had just turned 79 and uh, is still out there on the track racing cars. So you're right. You can just keep doing it no matter what. Now let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Well, my very first really serious special car was a car that I purchased on my retirement from banking in 1998, and it was a 1967 330 GTC Ferrari. Ooh, nice. And uh, I still own that car, and it still occupies a very special place in, uh, in my garage. Oh, absolutely. What a spectacular car, and of course... Buying it back when you did, I'm sure it was very expensive then, but of course we've all seen what the collector car market has done for Ferrari, so I'm glad you got that car when you did. I'm really happy that you still have it. Which leads me to my next question that has to do with seller's remorse. Is there a vehicle you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage? No. (laughs) Lucky you. Lucky (laughs) you. Well, I have a few people that answer that question that way, and I always smile and say, wow, you're a very fortunate person because most of my my past 480-plus guests have a a bit of tear, and they always kind of scold me for asking them that question. Why would you bring that up? So kudos to you for that one. Now, let's talk a little bit about current projects, and I think I know where we're going to go here. We're going to go on a very long 9,000-mile drive. Tell us about what you and your wife are planning to do here soon. Well, my wife and I... Uh, and my chief mechanic and my brother, we're taking two uh, very early model uh, American LaFrance speedsters to Peking, China, and from there driving from the base of the Great Wall northwest up through Mongolia and across the Gobi Desert into Siberia, across Siberia through Russia, through Moscow, uh, and then to Belarus, and then south through Europe and the Alps, and completing our journey of the Peking to Paris rally uh, in downtown Paris. Wow. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about this, because uh, is it a group of people that do this tour? Are you just doing it on your own, or is it an annual event that you get to be involved with? Well, the Peking to Paris rally was first run in 1907, um, and then... It wasn't run for a long time. I believe it was until 1997. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's been run every three years. And so the last one was in uh, 2013. This one will be in June and July of this year. There will be 120 cars total entered. Mm-hmm. And there is a an organization that organizes the rally, the Enduro Rally Association, headquartered in the UK, and there will be cars from all over the world that participate in the rally. And so it is for people who are very experienced at road rallies and some people with no experience at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, basically our team falls into the later group, um, <laughs> but we're not terribly concerned about that. We had no experience at all with Bonneville Racing either until yeah. 2009. So we're looking at it as just a great opportunity to learn and to have some fun and to see some parts of the world that uh, we wouldn't have ordinarily been able to see. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, it also provides us with a, just a grand opportunity to build 
our own cars mm. and to prepare our own cars. And the learning that came out of that process and just the journey of, of preparation for the trip has just really been a lot of fun for the past several years. Now, what caused you to, to choose the vehicle that you've chosen? Because I would assume there's lots of different vehicles on this uh, tour, although is it limited to certain years that can participate? Uh, there is a, a broad limitation on the years that can part- participate, and there are various classes. We initially chose to participate in the oldest vintage class, uh, that is the cars from basically the very beginning up to and, and through the 1930s. Mm-hmm. The field will have a number of Bentleys, old Bentleys, Rolls Royces, Packards, a whole series of very interesting cars. We looked at participating using those cars or having a professionally prepared car. I love there's a, quite a big reliance on the 1930s Fangio Coupe made by Chevrolet mm. that um, they heavily modify and, and uh, use in the rally a lot. Mm-hmm. But we really thought it would be more fun to try to come up with something that very few people use that's quite unique and that is very rugged. And yeah. so what we came up with was the notion of building two American La France speedsters. Mm. Wow. Now, American La France, they were known for fire trucks, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And they've been in the fire apparatus business, or had been in the fire apparatus business for many, many years, since I think 1846. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in early... In the 1900s, they began to build what we would consider to be a fire truck. Yes. There were a number of people in the 1920s and 30s, then privateers, if you will, that would buy chassis and drivetrains from the American La France uh, fire truck company in Elmira, New York, and then design and build their own bodies. Mm. And a coachmaker then would make the bodies that they designed, and then people would use these vehicles as speedsters. And they're characterized by being very large. Uh, our cars, for example, weigh about 8,000 pounds apiece. Wow. They have a huge 14.5-liter six-cylinder engine. It only makes 130 horsepower, but it, it will um, have an output of as much as 1,500 foot-pounds of torque. Wow. And so what we end up with is a very large kind of a sports racing car that is also very durable. Mm-hmm. At least that's our, that's our hope and our anticipation. And, and so we plan on participating in the Peking to Paris rally and then hopefully continuing on to England before we, before we ship the cars back to North America and then in 2017, it's our hope to go from Halifax, Nova Scotia to Nome. Wow. Com- completing a drive around the world with these two old American La France speedsters. Oh, my goodness. Well, you are a man does not let anything grow under his feet. That's for sure. You know who comes to mind is a past guest here on Cars, yeah, Gary Wales, who's taken some yes. America La France. Uh, chassis and built some uh, amazing vehicles. La Vistioni, he's working on a Batmobile right now. So uh, uh, I'm sure you're aware of what he's up to too. But wow, it just sounds like a 
absolutely spectacular adventure. We wish you well. Are you going to be documenting any of this along the way so those of us who are back here at our desk can follow you in any sense? Yes, there will be two. Actually, there are two avenues that uh, our progress could be followed. One is uh, on our uh, website, blackhorseracing.com, and we will maintain, as best we can, a blog of our progress with photographs and narrative of what we're doing. Awesome. And then also, listeners could also go to the Enduro Rally Association website. Okay. And they can basically just Google Peking to Paris 2016. And on that website, um, the Enduro Rally Association will maintain a current position of all of the cars. Hmm. And our two cars are car number one and car number four. Awesome. Great. Well, I'll make sure that those are noted on your Cars Yeah show notes page so that when this comes up, and this will be June and July, you said? Yes, the race will start at the base of the Great Wall on June 12th, and it'll end in Paris on July 18th, I believe. Wonderful. Spectacular. Great adventure. We wish you well. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Here's a very introspective question for you, Steve. I'm dying to know how you're going to answer this one. If you were a car, what kind of car would Steve be, and why? Well, I think I... Tend to think I'd like to think of myself as a Ferrari P4. Ooh! But <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think as I get older, I'm quite comfortable as a 1915 Lafrance Speedster. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Great answer. Well, Steve, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations! You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Steve, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Mm-hmm. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received Always count on projects costing twice as much and taking three times longer than originally planned. <laughs> I'm chuckling because I do a blog every week here at Cars Yeah for my subscribers. And this week was uh, Cars in Dog Years. It talked very much about that same thing, taking on projects where you think it's going to take one year and it ends up taking seven for a dog year. So, uh, yes, very, very true. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? I think that probably the single most important thing is our focus and commitment. Mm. And with those two things, focus and commitment, um, I think people would be amazed at what they might be able to achieve that they thought they, they perhaps couldn't. I think you're right. I always like to use the acronym for focus, follow one course until successful, staying on task. Yeah, very good. 
Now, how about a resource? Is there one resource in particular that you really enjoy you think the Carjow listeners would also like? Well, I think the resource that um, that I've come to rely on considerably it would be uh, Red Car Restoration down in Rockwall, Texas. Ah. Um, they've really done a lot of uh, the work of preparation and building some of my race cars mm-hmm. and um, restoration work on some of my uh, other Ferrari collection. Yep. And um, very very capable and knowledgeable across a wide range. And um, I think one of the really critical things is they do what they say they're going to do. <laughs> very good. That's very important. And I'll make sure that that's listed on your show notes page uh, for sure. Now, how about a book? Is there a book in particular that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? I think that, uh, yes, although it's not a car book. It's okay. But that book would would be, if I had to choose, would be a book about Sir Douglas Mawson. Hmm. That's Douglas Mawson, M-A-W-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. The book is entitled Mawson's Will, and I'm sure it's available on Amazon. It's a book that was originally put out a number of years ago, but it was about an explorer that in the early 1900s went to Antarctica, Mm -hmm. and he set out um, with two companions to go to the most remote place on earth, that is the place that's furthest away from just about anything, which is sort of near the South Pole, but not quite the South Pole, but nonetheless, probably even harder to achieve. Mm. And in the process of that trip, his two partners uh, died, Mm -hmm. and he was left by himself on the Antarctic ice cap, Wow! and literally traveled hundreds of miles in an effort he hoped at the time just to get his uh, log to a place where somebody might find it someday and find his body. Oh, my gosh. He ended up surviving. And there's a fabulous, fabulous story um, that shows the sort of commitment and focus and determination that are possible and obviously what the outcome can be. Yeah, absolutely. Great book. First time that book's been recommended here on Cars Yeah. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at com slash Steve Trafton. Steve's last name is T-R-A-F-T-O-N. And there's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the other past 480 guest books will be listed for quick, easy links so you can get them and read them. All right, Steve, we are up to the last question. I call it the checkered flag, and it can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost, because today I'll buy you whatever car you'd like. What would that one vehicle be, and why? That really is a tough question. (laughs) I know. uh, (laughs) Perhaps more so, because in my garage, I tend to have, I have uh, some vintage Formula One race cars. Nice. I have also vintage uh, Le Mans race cars. Mm, wonderful. As well as vintage road cars. Mm. And so the choice between F1 Le Mans and road cars first has to be made. Yes. And I think that 
in terms of one wanting to use their collection actively, mm-hmm. drive the cars, not just look at them. Yeah. Well, I'd have to look at my road cars. And the road car that I would pick would be a 1957 Morgan Sports Racer. Ooh. It's a one-off Morgan Special that was a collaboration between Cecil Rhodes and Morgan uh uh, sports cars, uh-huh. and it was built, uh, as I said, in 1957, and it was designed for uh, roads to race at Lime Rock in New York and road racing courses. Wow. And I have this car in my collection, and it's a, just a beautiful car, very reminiscent of, say, Ferraris at the time in terms of very swoopy and open and just a joy to drive. And uh, it's a favorite to take up uh, here in Washington State to the mountains oh, yeah. and drive through the mountains and drive around the state. Um, it's just a wonderful car. Oh, spectacular. Well, you can go to our website, blackhorseracing.com, and you can see that very car. There you go. Well, Steve, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your amazing journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off in that Peking to Paris rally? I know you're not taking your 57 Morgan Sports Racer, but maybe you can do a, a little jaunt around the mountains here before you head off to your big adventure. Stay committed and stay focused. <laughs> if you're not moving, you're standing still. Absolutely. And again, the best way for our listeners to learn more about in about, about you and what you're doing is your website? Yes, blackhorseracing.com. Awesome. Great. Well, listeners, again, that site will be posted on Steve's show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Steve in the search bar and that page will pop right up. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Best wishes for a very safe and a wonderful journey coming up here this summer, peaking to Paris. Absolutely fantastic. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it. And, um, uh, I hope you enjoy uh, uh, whatever trips and travels you have in store for this summer. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!